got a little rope with me this morning. I want you to pretend that this rope goes on forever. It's infinite. It doesn't end. Now, I couldn't find one at Sutherland's. It never ended. But this is 100 feet, and it ends back there. Pretend with me that this rope goes on forever, and it doesn't end. What I'm going to challenge us with is that this rope is every one of us. This is our lives and our being. But this little red part is the part where we are alive. This is maybe a hundred years if you hit it really good. We are alive. And the rest of this rope goes on forever. Millions and millions of feet. And I'm going to say millions and millions of years in eternity. See, we spend so much time worrying about this little red piece. Think about it. You spend the middle of your red piece making sure you're financially stable so you can live a good life in the end of your red piece, if you're lucky. We spent this little spot of the red piece in 2020, and we'd rather not do that. <laughs> but we spend so much time thinking about the red piece, but yet everything else comes after that. Well, why I wanted to show you this today is because this morning we are going to talk about something that we do in the red piece that impacts the rest of eternity. This morning, I want to talk about that thing that we do, baptism. That thing that we do, baptism. And the reason I wanted to talk about it, and I wanted to show you this rope, is because as we've looked at the, the thing that we do series, a lot of it is talking about little things that we do in this red time. Whether it's that thing that we do in our lives or maybe in that small portion where we're in this building as the church. But today we're going to talk about the one thing that we do that impacts all of eternity. And so we're going to talk about baptism today. And there's a lot to talk about. So I hope I can do a good job and deliver this all to you this morning. But we're going to talk about baptism. So when I say that word, baptism, what do we think of? I think the answer is different depending on who you are, where you come from, or if you're religious or not religious. But a lot of times when we ask the world, I think we get pretty close to the dictionary definition. To the world in the dictionary, it says the definition of baptism is in Christians, Christian church, the religious rite of sprinkling water onto a person's forehead or immersion in water, symbolizing purification or regeneration, but mainly it's an admission, admission into the Christian church. So if we were to ask the dictionary in the world, it's a religious activity. It's an admission into the church. And you do baptism to get into a religious group. You do it to get into a church. That's what the world would say. And I think, unfortunately, the religious people define it very similarly to the world. If you were to ask just any religious group person, they would say, they probably say something very similar. To them, baptism probably isn't much more than an experience you go through to become a part of our church. 
experience you go through to become a part of a religion. And see, they define it much like the dictionary would. Baptism could be a sprinkling or a pouring or anything that you do that is this commitment to a religious group. I think that's a little sad. I think that's a little sad that when we talk about even the religious perspective of it, we miss the importance of baptism. Because most religious people don't say baptism is for the forgiveness of your sins. Most religious people won't say that it's to become a Christian. Most religious people won't say that's how you know Christ. But instead, it's just a demonstration of God living in your life. And I think it's a little sad that we've belittled it so much, even within church. So today, I want to take a look at baptism and what it means to us as Christians. We are the church. We talked about it a few weeks ago. We are the ecclesia, the called out assembly of people. So today I want to talk about what should it mean to the church? And anytime, and you can challenge me on this, anytime I talk about what should something mean to us, my basis needs to be the Bible. Without a doubt, everything I need to say needs to start at the Bible and I just explain it. Because that is where our truth is going to come from. So when I say, what does baptism mean to us as Christians? It's only going to come from the Bible. I want you to challenge me on that every time I speak. So when we look at scripture, we want to read, understand it, and apply it to our lives. And that's exactly what we're going to do with the topic of baptism today. So what I want to show is what does God mean when he says baptism? What does it mean to us? Because it means far more than what the world says. And unfortunately, it means far more than what religious people have defined it as. Baptism is truly special to God. So, if I was to define it by the English word, a lot of people would say that baptism can be sprinkling or dunking to come into a church. And I think when they say that modernly, they're not wrong, because I just read you the American definition. In the textbook or the dictionary definition, they're right. But because we're Bible-believing Christians, we need to go to the Bible. We need to go to the Bible. So the first place I'm going to take us, and we're going to hang out there a lot, is the book of Acts. The book of Acts is where we're going to hang out a lot. And today I've done something special. I've put all of the scripture up on the PowerPoint if you want to follow along. But we're going to be in Acts chapter 2 and probably one of the most famous verses and one of my favorite verses about baptism. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. See, when we come into verse 38, in the beginning of the chapter, we see Paul is preaching and teaching to the crowds of people. And what he's saying is the gospel message. He's saying this to people who've never heard the gospel before. And he's saying, Jesus Christ came, lived, died, and rose again. He's given them the whole gospel. And then the crowd asks Peter and the other apostles, so what should we do? Jesus came to die for us, but what should we do? And then he answers with Acts 2.38. I'm reading out of the ESV. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.38. 
So when we look at defining the word, let's start at scripture. When we take this piece of scripture, we want to look at the original language. Let's look at the Greek word. And when Paul writes repent and, or when Peter says repent and be baptized, he says the word baptizo. So anytime we see it in the New Testament, the word baptize, we see the word baptizo or another word baptisma. And these words are kind of tough for us as Christians because, or as Americans, because they sound like baptism. There's just like one letter off each one. The reason for that is because English, American English does not have a word. We don't have a word for this. So what this is called is a, instead of a translation where we say this word means this word, this is called a transliteration where we literally just take the letters that they have and make it our word. So the word they have is baptizo or baptisma. And what we come out of that is baptism. Pretty straightforward. We basically have the same word, but what's tough is we've defined it. We've defined it with American English. So when they say baptism, baptizo, they know the exact definition. When Peter said to the crowds and he said, repent and be baptizo, they understood what that meant. That was a word that they would use in their normal life. They understood that baptize was to completely submerge something. They would use it in their daily lives. When they would go take a bath and be completely covered by the water, they would be baptizo. When they would do the dishes and completely submerge it to wash it, it was baptisma. When they would do laundry, they understood this idea of completely submerged in the water. They didn't have a different definition. They just had, well, I know that's what this is. It's putting it completely under the water, completely under the water. So they understood, unfortunately, we have an English definition that's changed it. Unfortunately, it can mean pouring or sprinkling according to our dictionary now. But when they were hearing this, they were used to washing their bodies, washing their dishes, washing their laundry, completely covered in water. And that's why when we look at uh, verses like 1 Peter chapter 3, it's another time we have baptizo used. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 21, if you want to flip there, you can read it up there as well. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 21. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. It's not a removal of dirt from the body as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For them, it had to be clarified. For them, it had to be clarified. That's the verse that we started off with. They know that baptism is washing. And so Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 3, says it's more than just washing when you're baptized into Christ. Every baptism, and I'm going to say this, every baptism that we read in the New Testament is described as a full covering of water. Every baptism in the New Testament is a full covering of water. If you would, open with me to Romans chapter 6. It's also up there as well. Romans 6, I'm going to read verses 3 and 4. Making sure that's up there. Okay. Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus 
were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like this. So I read that verse in Romans chapter 6, those two verses, because I just said every time in Scripture when we read baptism, it's completely under the water. And here's why I think that's important. Do you not know that all who've been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried. We were buried. If you think about burying a dead body, that's what we're doing here, right? You completely put it under the ground. Six feet under is what we'd call it, right? You don't just take a dead body and sprinkle a little dirt on it or take a flower pot and pour dirt on it, but you completely bury it. And that's what we have here in Romans as well. We are completely buried and we resurrect like Christ did in newness of life. So I do think it's important that this baptism is a full covering, a full burial. And so as Christians, I'm going to say, if we want to stick to the Bible, we really need to declare that baptism needs to be a full burial underwater. It represents that we are covered by Jesus's blood completely. We are buried completely. And then we come up just like Jesus did. We have a resurrection with him. So when we're buried completely under the water, we die. We have a death to sin. We're buried. That's what happens with the water is the burying part, the death, the bury, and then we resurrect with Jesus. And we resurrect with him when we go to heaven in eternity too. And I cannot wait for that day. Cannot wait. Lots of scripture this morning. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians 2, and I'm going to be in verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you are also raised with him through faith in the powerful working God who raised him from the dead. Powerful. Completely buried with him in baptism, but also raised again with Christ from God. God does all of this. He raises us from the dead. So again, I want to caution us to say that when we say baptism, we should mean baptizo, like they would mean it. Completely covered by water. Completely buried by the water. I think it's important to us if we really want to follow the Bible that we follow the words that they meant in that time. Something that's interesting to me, when I think about the word buried, when we're talking about baptizo being completely covered in the water, I think about buried. And I go to a dead body. Or a not dead body. But you can never be buried by yourself. You could dig the hole, you could hop in it, and then you could try to cover yourself up, but you would never be able to fully bury yourself. The same is true for baptism. You cannot go baptize yourself. No work that you do of yourself could you fully bury yourself. So when people say, hey, isn't baptism a work of your own? I kind of want to say, how did you do it on your own? 
It has to be done by God using some other person to dunk you. So I, I'm going to say that every time somebody says, is it a work? I say, not a work of mine. Not a work of mine because it's a work of God using someone else. I can't do it to myself. Acts 2.38, right where we started, says that it's for the forgiveness of sins. When I say baptism, I want us to remember that the greatest reason is going to be blessings. If you ever want to be baptized and you don't have any reason, start with these ones. Blessings. God gives us gifts and blessings when we enter into baptism. Again, we can't take those gifts and give them to ourselves. We can't do it. It's not a work of our own, but God has to give it to us. And the first one is right there in Acts 2.38. For the forgiveness of sins. That's what the ESV says. The New Life Version says, and your sins will be forgiven. The message says, so your sins will be forgiven. Or the Amplified Version, for the forgiveness and release from your sins. Bunches of different versions. All say the same thing, though. Either way, this is one of the first blessings and the first gifts we read about when we enter into baptism. We get our sins forgiven. We get our sins forgiven. And the awesome part, when we think about baptism, is we think of the past sins. We get the past sins forgiven. Not only the past sins we remember, but the past sins that we didn't even realize we've done. Forgiven. The sins that we are about to do are just did. Forgiven. The sins we will do in the future, forgiven. We are forgiven. I think we should ask for repentance when we sin in the future, but we know Christ will cover them. We are forgiven. And that's one of the first and greatest gifts. Jesus' blood covers all sin. That's why he died on the cross. He bared the sins of the world. Everyone. No one's excluded from that. So when we enter into baptism, we're covered completely by Jesus' blood. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. We have redemption through his blood, forgiveness from our trespasses, from the riches of his grace. To put it simply, it's just restating, Jesus Christ, his blood is what gives us forgiveness of sins. And baptism is how we take on that blood, that covering, that burial. When Jesus was in his final moments, he was hanging on a cross. He had taken on the sin of the whole world. And then he said, it is finished. He had completed his task. And I want us to remember that when he breathed that last breath on the cross, it was for everyone. It was for every sinner. But when he did breathe that last breath, John 19, 34 I find this scripture super fascinating, and it might just be me. But when he breathed the last breath, verse 34, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and out came flowing blood and water. If you look at...
commentaries or other versions, it's evident that there was blood and water separated. Now, that's something that happens within your body, but not right away in death. Why I think this is so cool to me, as Dennis was talking about the cross at communion, this was the new covenant. It had just happened. And what poured out of the sacrificial lamb, the perfect one, was blood and water. Why I think that is so cool is because when we enter into baptism, we are covered by Christ's blood. All of our sins are forgiven. But what are we actually physically covered by in baptism? Water. Water, Christ's blood. One in the same when we enter into the covenant of baptism. I just think it's cool. I just think that's a cool little nerdy verse if you like. But it shows that our salvation is from Jesus' blood, and that is the water of baptism. So if you repent, you turn from your sins. That's what repent means if you don't know. You turn away from your sins and you are baptized. God has promised the gift of salvation, forgiveness of sins. That is the first blessing that I see. But not only do we have the forgiveness of sins, in Acts 2.38, there is another part. It says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. At that very moment when you enter into baptism and you come up, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you're saying, what's the big deal about that? Well, I'm saying that's the biggest deal. The Holy Spirit, he is part of God. When we have God described, we have the Father, God, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Just as much a part of God as any of the other parts. And each one of us, when we are baptized, has God in us. We have the Holy Spirit in us. Wow. Wow. How cool is that? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. 2 Corinthians 1, 22. And who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts. He's given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. We go into the water and we come up out of baptism and we are sealed. We have been given the blessing of the Holy Spirit. We have been given the blessing of salvation. And now we get to have God living inside of us. Galatians chapter 3 also kind of gives us another perspective on this. Galatians 3, verse 27. For as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. I like that wording because we just read about how we have the Holy Spirit in us when we come up out of baptism, but we also have put on Christ. We're now living like we're the Son of God. So we put on in our own hearts, the Holy Spirit, and we've put on Christ. And our, the blessing that comes out of that is now our whole life is changed. Our whole life is changed. We've thrown away the sin. We've killed them and buried them. And the moment that we accept Christ and are baptized, we live life completely different. The reasons and the purpose is completely different. Romans chapter 6 and Colossians 2, I referenced them both already, but they gave us examples of being buried in baptism, meaning that our sins are buried and washed away. So when we come up with that burial, we're new. 
Our sins are gone. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. So it's a murder ceremony. Baptism is to go and kill the old self with all of its sinful desires and come up a new creation. I don't think there's any better way to say that. A new person, a new creation, new way to live life. Everything now is about serving God before anything else. Remember, the reason that baptism is so important is because it takes this time and it makes it all about the rest of this time. Now, when you live life, instead of worrying about right here and right here, this just goes away and you just worry about this forever and ever and ever. And that is what's important for the rest of your life. It's pretty powerful. So if you want to think about baptism, you probably want to ask the question, why should we do it? Well, my best answer for that is look at all the blessings salvation, forgiveness of sins. You get the Holy Spirit in you. You get to wear Christ and live a whole new life. But if that's not enough reasons for you, I think this last one is pretty important. Jesus said to. And if we're going to follow anything, we follow the New Testament and Christ. And Jesus said to. Uh, Matthew 28. I don't know if I have it up on the slides. I do. Matthew 28 Verses 19 through 20. Jesus and the apostles are teaching, and he says to them, Repent and be baptized. 28, starting in verse 19. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. See, we would call this what Jesus gives us as a command to go and make disciples of all nations. How do we make disciples of all nations? Well, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then what do we do after we baptize them? We teach them all that God has commanded. That's an important little one for us to not skip over. If you are telling someone and sharing that they should be baptized, it's time to baptize them, absolutely. But then you need to work with them and teach them the word of God. The rest of it. All that I've commanded. And then in Mark 16, 15, we have something very similar. Again, a command. Jesus said so. Mark 16, verse 15, he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation Whoever believes and is baptized, they will be saved. But whoever does not be believe, whoever does not believe will be condemned. Hope these are good enough examples. If, if the blessings weren't enough, Jesus said so. Jesus said, do this. And he told his apostles and then the disciples and us Christians to go and teach and then baptize people. Hmm. People realize that they should be baptized. And I think it's for us to say that we need to baptize you. Jesus commanded us to. 
We were just reading about the Ethiopian eunuch last week in Acts, Acts chapter 8. So the story of the Ethiopian eunuch starts in verse 36. And when they were going along the road, they came to some water. Remember, Peter had run up and he was in Isaiah and he started teaching him the gospel. And when they're going along the road, they came to the water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? Then verse 37, not all versions have it. Philip said, if you believe in your heart, you may. Then the eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Verse 38, and he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So why should we do it? Well, there's blessings, gifts from God galore, but there is also a command from Jesus that we should be baptized. When should we do it? Well, the Ethiopian eunuch heard the gospel and on the same chariot ride, he said, there's water. Let's do it. And Peter said, if you believe, and he said, I believe that Jesus is the son of the God, a son of God. And they went into the water, both of them, and the eunuch was baptized right then and there. I think this is powerful. This is powerful for us today because what do we see? Well, he did it right away. That's pretty evident. That's awesome. But you know what we don't see? We don't see a ceremony. We don't see a specific group of people. We don't see the right pastory, preachery guy baptizing him. We don't see the right building or the right baptistry. We just see water. What hinders me from being baptized? I think for us today, that's super important. We don't need to have a baptism Sunday. Every day is a baptism day. What hinders you? So I'm trying to fit everything about baptism into one sermon. I don't know if you caught that. Today's been pretty fast-paced. What are we at for verses? 6, 12. Perfect. 12 verses. There's going to be a 13th. Trying to fit everything into one sermon about baptism is pretty tough. But actually, it's not tough at all. I've just given you a lot of scriptures. I don't think we need them all. Because here's the point. When we're talking about baptism, it's the gospel. God loves you, human being, anyone. I don't care what you've done. God doesn't care what you've done. God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to be persecuted and die the worst death. But on that cross, he's going to take on, and he did take on, all of the sins of the world, including yours. He died and he was the sacrificial lamb. His blood covers all. And when he died on that cross, out of him flowed blood and water. And today, we can enter into that blood by going into the water. Baptism is being completely covered by the water. And what happens then? What happens right then is we receive the greatest gifts. All of the blessings from God. We're forgiven from our sins. We're promised eternity and salvation in heaven. And we get the Holy Spirit. And we look like Jesus. And we continue to walk and live life completely different. We live for eternity, not just for this small amount of time. So baptism, 
out of all of the topics I'm going to talk about in this series, that thing that we do, baptism is probably one of the biggest and most important ones because it's about all of eternity. And I hope you saw that with the rope, but it's about all of eternity. And it's just one small thing that happens in this life that affects everything. So that being said, baptism is more than just that thing that we do. Baptism is about our eternity. And if you want to be baptized today, we don't have a special preacher guy that'll do it. We don't have a special spot in the building. We do have a river and a bunch of people that would love to baptize you. If you're not comfortable with the river, we have a tank. See, nothing hindered us. <sighs> today you can be baptized. I encourage you to do so if you want to. Let me leave you with this last verse. Acts 22, verse 16. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the 